the wine needs to arrive to our facility mm -hmm. by trucks or by you know small containers the wine comes to us and then once the wine is in our facility it goes to a storage tank stainless steel storage tank until the process and the process is either the same day or the next day and then it goes to this deaqualization machine technology, which is called GOLO, low temperature vacuum distillation. Mm -hmm. The wine is fed into the technology uh, without any air contact, uh, oxygen contact, because there is a vacuum pump. And then the molecular segregation happens. It's a distillation. So we separate three fractions. Hey guys, welcome to Wine, Whiskey and Weed Show. I'm your host, Sid Patel, CEO of Beverage Trade Network and International Bulk Wine and Spirit Show. And today's guest is the guest from, you know, the hottest topic which is going on right now, the de-alcoholized wines or low alcohol wine. I have Erin from BevZero and we're going to talk about, you know, opportunities in this sector, especially if you are a winery. So Irene, welcome to the show. Hi Sid, thank you so much and thank you for having me on the show. Super. What's your take on, you know, uh, 2022, uh, what happened? And now what are you predicting different in 2023? Let, let's just start there. Oh, wow. It's a very good question and very broad question. So many things happened. But if I may just like take it a little bit back to 2020, not just staying in 22, uh, because then it will be it will give us a broad image. Um, so what happened was obviously we know that no and low uh, category has been increasing since a decade. But the beer paved the way uh, a decade ago. And then uh, since five, six years, wine was picking it up. But obviously, many things have changed until mm -hmm. 2020 with the, with the global pandemic. Global pandemic didn't change everything overnight, but it accelerated the change. So the category was already growing. But with everyone being home and in-premises expanding, um, mm -hmm. the no and low category also uh, increased. So after that, I mean, in our business, we have the three facilities globally, U.S., South Africa, and Spain. And from our experience in all the locations, our business like increased a lot, like service business mm. and the equipment business. We got a boom since 2020. And also, if you look at the global stats, like in the key markets, um, the non-alcoholic category increased only last year in 2022, 7% versus alcoholic category increase 0.7%. So it's like a 10 times more increase. Mm -hmm. um, so it's going well. Uh, we are obviously happy, but it's also, it's going well because it's good to see that the, you know, the, the perception of the consumer is changing. Mm -hmm. And also this increase shows us that the quality has increased a lot because especially if we speak about no alcohol wine, it's not the same quality since five years ago. Everything mm. has improved. The choices are improved, the packaging, the formats, the labels, and the quality of the product a lot. So I think it's a really good sign uh, for the future of the category. Let's define, uh, you know, uh, what do you mean by low alcohol uh, wine or no alcohol wine? You know, just break us the legality uh, of definition. Yeah, so still there are a little bit like the, you know, it's not legally very well defined everywhere. Uh, especially, you know, European Union uh, regulations are stricter than the neuro regulations. But what we call no alcohol wine is uh, no alcohol means it needs to be zero zero. So mm -hmm. what does zero zero mean? Depending on your ex export market, the regulation, legislation can change. 
So in Europe, up to 0.49, it's considered as 00. zero. Got it. But in US or in Canada, uh, it needs to be 00, zero up to 0 0.05. So if you are 0 0.49, then you need to label your product as less than 0 0.5. Hmm. So if, I mean, this is the no alcohol category and low alcohol is anything between five, seven, eight. So that's what I, we call lifestyle products, low alcohol products. So depending on uh, the market, this can change. And also if you are in the dry markets, then no alcohol needs to be a halal product, which mm -hmm. means it needs to be less than 0 0.02. What's yeah. moving more, no alcohol or low alcohol? It's again, depending on the market, it changes. Low alcohol is moving a lot in Americas, especially in United States. Mm -hmm. it's, the, it's the leading category. But in Europe, no alcohol is moving much more. And mm. then there are markets like US is the category leader for both. And no and low alcohol and the UK and Germany is the category leader for no alcohol. Let's talk about the process, right? That's where you're, you are like really an expert. You know, how is uh, it different uh, from a normal winemaking process? You know, if you can just elaborate first, a basic one-on-one, -on -one, you know, if we had to educate on how a non-alcohol wine yeah. is made. Yes, yeah, so actually you're asking great questions and actually you are just tackling the questions that also the consumer has in their minds because mm -hmm. they also the consumer doesn't know what is no, what is low, and they don't know the difference between dealkalized wines and alcohol-free. Dealkalized wines, depending on the alcohol level that you go, it can be alcohol-free or as we just spoke, it can be a no alcohol-free. Dealkalization is a process you can dealkalize up to zero zero, but you can also dealkalize a portion of the alcohol, which okay. I will just explain in a bit. But alcohol-free wines and alcohol-free wine products, normally what we see in the market, is basically it's based on grape juice. When we talk about true dealkalized wine, it's a product for from wine that has been fermented with yeast and then has undergone a reunification process. Mm -hmm. So we have, we start with our products, incoming products are wine, 10%, 12% alcohol, or, you know, anything up to 15. Uh, and then it goes to an addition process of having the alcohol removed. So that is the alkalized wine. But all the other fruit-based products marketed as non-alcoholic wine are simply juice. Mm. So they are based on the grape juice. And the difference there on the end products, those products are sweet because you cannot achieve a dry product with based on the juice because the juice has fructose but mm -hmm. what happens with the fermentation the the yeast consumes all the sugar and then you end up you can end up with a dry wine so mm -hmm. the alkalized wines mostly are dry or they can be dry because you can start with a dry wine mm -hmm. so that is i think is a very important uh, separation and then in bev zero what we do is that we work with dealkalized wines and then depending on our other locations, we also work with beer and cider. But mm. all, 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 all products that we start with, they go to, to a fermentation process. And mm. then with the dealkalization, there are various methods to dealkalize the alcoholic beverage. And the most common ones uh, today is the membrane technology, spinning cone column or distillation. Uh, we work in Bev Zero with low temperature vacuum distillation because, mm -hmm. I mean, as the market for no and low alcohol uh, has evolved and grown, the technology also grown. So we in, in 2015, we introduced low temperature vacuum distillation technology mm -hmm. and it is um, a single step process. 
that allows for the alkalization of the wine beer cider down to 0.02, which is called halal level, and mm -hmm. at a very low temperature distillation. So mm -hmm. there's like a high degree of vacuum throughout the process. So there's no contact with the oxygen. Um, and then there's a um, uh, molecular segregation based on the boiling point of alcohol and water. And then they transfer the alcohol molecules. So then we can remove the alcohol if you want, obviously, depending on the needs of the client. If they mm -hmm. want to have a product which is zero. 02 then we can remove down to 002 or 001 um if they want to have a low alcohol product then we do a partial dealkalization and then we end up with the five six seven three four uh the alcohol level that the, the, the client wants mm -hmm. i'm going to break it down on a very very simple uh logic right because i just i'm visualizing in a different way right now just for the end consumer as you say you harvest grapes mm -hmm. and you put it in a crusher right? And then yeah. you have a juice which has pulp in it. Mm -hmm. Then what? Like, what is the next uh, phase? You know, like uh, ex explaining a very basic, uh, you know, when does your process kick in? Yeah, our process gets in when the wine is complete. So when we say that we, we I mean, the we work with wine. So, uh, so the wine is already uh, stainless steel tanks, like made, like actual wine. And exactly, then you take exactly. alcohol out of yeah. it. Yeah, because we ah. don't have, uh, we work with wineries, Either wineries are our clients or we work with brand marketeers. They can send us the wine or we can purchase or supply the wine for them. But we need to have the wine ready with the alcohol. Let's right. say if it is a white wine, the wine has like 10%, 11, 12. If it is red, normally it's like 14, 15, 16, depending on the location. So we right. have the wine. And if you can, I mean, you can visualize like a really, this is a very physical process. Okay. And this is a technology, it's a physical technology. It is uh five by two the surface area and then it is a column of seven to nine meters so mm -hmm. this is not a mobile technology in spain and us but in south mm -hmm. africa we have a smaller uh, unit it's uh, it's mobile so it can go to the winery but uh -huh. in applications let's say in spain i'm based in spain the wine needs to arrive to our facility wow. mm -hmm. by trucks or by you know small containers the wine comes to us and then once the wine is in our facility, it goes to a storage tank, stainless steel storage tank, until the process. And the process is either the same day or the next day. And then it goes to this dealkalization machine technology, which is called GOLO, low temperature vacuum distillation. Mm -hmm. The mm -hmm. wine is fed into the technology uh, without any air contact, uh, oxygen contact, because there is a vacuum pump. And then the molecular segregation happens. It's a distillation. So we separate three fractions. Alcohol, and alcohol goes up to 85 ABV. Uh, so it's like highly rectified and it's a byproduct. And then the essence, we can separate almost up to 100% of the aromas and the flavors of the real wine that we call essence. That's a separate fraction. And then we have a zero alcohol fraction as well. <laughs> so mm -hmm. though, from those different three fractions, once the, the, the process is finished, the alkalization process is finished, they go to three different storage tanks. The alkalized mm -hmm. one, essence, essence is alcohol because there's no way to separate the entire aromas from the alcohol. So it has a portion of alcohol and then the rectified alcohol of 85 ABV. So, mm. uh, and then we have our non-alcoholic products. I think the cost, uh, I'm sure it's hard to achieve a value product, right? Because you're making any anyway, there's a fixed cost and then you're adding this whole another uh, shipping uh, and bringing it back. 
cost, right? Yes, exactly. I was just thinking, you know, what are some uh, uh, growth hacks or some ways uh, to tackle or optimize this process in saving and coming with a low, you know, uh, lowering your cost of making this? Yeah, great, great question again. Yes, ex- exactly. That's why the non-alcoholic products normally, they're higher in price there versus low alcohol products at the same level, at the same segment, because there's an added cost. As you said, transportation, the alcoholization cost, and mm. then... Uh, with because with the deacalization we separate the alcohol that is a product that we separate from the real uh, original product so you have mm-hmm. a yield loss mm-hmm. so that's why you need to count that on as well in the final product so the way saving on this is when we started 30 years ago in Bev zero we were using a different technology uh, spinning column column technology is a great technology as well but the yield loss of that product is 30 percent Wow. So you send us 100 liters of wine and then you were losing 30 liters because it was mm. going to the alcohol and then you end up with 70 liter. So it was, again, increasing the cost. So since 2016, when we started to work with low alcohol, uh, low temperature distillation, our alcohol is rectified. So yield loss is 15%. Mm-hmm. So instead of 30%, the client you loses only 15%. So mm-hmm. you have a less uh, yield loss. So with this process, our clients save uh, you know significant amount on that. And also the process that we have, I mean, there are obviously additional costs like you know the electricity, the the water mm-hmm. consumption, everything. So the the process that we use is like the most green process, and then it has minimal water use. Uh, it's very energy efficient and small carbon uh, footprint. So these are an additional ways that to save, uh, you know, a few uh, pennies on the product, maybe a few mm-hmm. dollars, uh, depending on the suppliers that you work with. And obviously, mm-hmm. what is really important is bulk shipment. So mm-hmm. many clients they don't want to ship the product in bulk; they want to ship it in bottles. Uh, it's a choice, obviously, but if you ship the product bulk. And then bottle in the consumer uh, market, then you are gonna save so much with the transportation, mm. and the transportation is the big chunk of the cost on this product. So yeah, I, bulk- I was just thinking that like if you're buying bulk wine, you know, uh, and your goal is this, you can buy bulk wine in one country, get it to your facility, and then you ship the finished product to you know the buyer or maybe wherever directly, right? So yeah, you're just one stop in the middle at least. Exactly. And also if you ship bulk product, you can ship 50, 25, 26,000 liters, mm. uh, pure wine, and then you bottle at the destination. But when you ship the, the bottled product, so in the same amount of space, you cannot fit 25,000 liters because you have your bottles, you have your, you know, the, 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 the um, weight of your bottles. And also mm-hmm. these bottles, I mean, most of the time, it's very interesting. Most of the times those, I mean, obviously there are so many glass production manufacturers, but most of the time they come, let's say from China mm-hmm. to Europe. True. And mm-hmm. then you bottle in in let's say Europe, and then you send it back to China. You know, there's so many uh, logistics uh, behind it, and you I can't think- ship bulk wine, uh, non-alcohol, low-alcohol wine back in flexi tanks, or can you? Yes, you can. Uh, you can ship right? Like flexi tanks, yeah, okay. yeah. You can ship like you know the flexi tanks or IBCs. Uh, there are IBCs as well, like 100 liters, starting from 100 liters or flexi tanks a few thousand liters and then you can ship up to 25 26 thousand liters so doesn't it make like common sense to just find a bulk uh, wine supplier which is closest to your facility 
in that vicinity. If if I want to make I get Spain Spanish no alcohol wine, I would just find you know close people. Uh, does that matter? Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's also an, again another great question. It feels like you have been in the in the category for a long time, Sid, because you tackle like really uh, great questions. Yes, uh, that totally makes sense because proximity again zero kilometers. So we purchase or the wineries can purchase mm-hmm. or wineries around us or the brand marketers can purchase the wine close to us. And then it's shipped to us, you know, very proximate destination. And mm-hmm. then the, the transportation cost will be really minimal. And then the carbon footprint will be minimal. And then mm-hmm. we do the process and then we can obviously bottle it or we mm-hmm. can send it back. And if it, the wine goes to France, it's obviously better to send it back. And also mm-hmm. the other thing is there are like three big in Europe, there are three big wine producing countries. Spain, Germany, Italy, but the bulk wine, the heart of the bulk wine uh, mostly comes from Spain in La Mancha mm-hmm. region in the center of Spain. Uh, and our facility is right there. It's like right mm-hmm. in the heart of the Spain. So that's why we have really, uh, you know, great connections with the wineries. For a winery, right? Like, you know, this, what is the capital investment you're looking at if they want this whole process in-house, you know, mm-hmm. uh, instead of doing this whole you know, uh, small batch shipping and whatnot. Like, let, let's just go broader, right? Let's say I'm, you know, I've made a strategic decision to invest maybe 500,000 or a million. And, you know, uh, this is my ROI, meaning like I need to sell mm-hmm. this much. And in three years, I'll break even. Like, give me some numbers, you know, uh, for an in-house strategy. There are like, so what the wine is, as you said, they can either send us their, send their wine to a service provider like us. But if they have enough volume and if you want to they, they make the investment, obviously they can purchase the deacalization technology. There, as I said, there are different deacalization technologies. The price differs. But uh, I mean, for, I mean, there is like, I can say that the most economic one is reverse osmosis. But with mm-hmm. the reverse osmosis, you cannot go down to zero, zero. You can go down to zero, zero, but for every degree of, alcohol that you want to remove you need to do multiple passes and it is not a very sustainable process so uh vacuum distillation or spinning column column uh, they are the you know the the best technologies to go down to zero zero there are different models of the units but uh, it starts from let's say half a million roughly mm-hmm. and it mm-hmm. can go up to you know uh, one million two million so this is the investment that the winery needs to make and so to make this investment for the return on investment what we recommend is like if a winery has let's say almost one million liter or half a million liter uh, per year to dealkalize then uh, that's a good uh, investment to consider for them. And actually mm-hmm. it's, it's thinking about like, you know, mid and long-term plans. But if a mm-hmm. winery has 100 liters, 100,000 liters to deacalize, then it's not a good investment for them because they need to also think it's not about the equipment only. The facility needs to be designed around that. They okay. need to have, you know, the chillers, the boilers, the vacuum pumps. You know, uh, we also, if, if a winery wants to make this investment, we also help them to design. But mm-hmm. it's not only just taking one equipment and putting it. It's not really that simple. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's why it's really important, the volumes that we are talking about. Uh, otherwise, there are service facilities, service providers that the wineries can start working with. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then once they build up the volume, then they can make their ready to make the investments, I think. Are you a monopoly or are there uh, companies like you in this process? You know, uh, obviously, you will. You may have a patent process, but I'm just overall, if I'm just Googling, like, you know, uh, companies that can help me with this process, 
you know, give me some names, you know, just to help out the wineries. Yeah. So, yeah, we have our patented process. But again, we have, I mean, we are not the only uh, de-alcoholized pr- uh, service provider, depending on actually the, the location. Uh, in South Africa, uh, we may be one and only. And California, in the region that we are, we are, I think, you know, we don't, I don't know if there's another one in the area. But in Europe, obviously, in Spain, in Germany, in Italy, in France, there are other providers as well, but mm-hmm. which is really good because it shows that the category is increasing. You know, the category is growing. As the category is growing, service providers are obviously include increasing as well. So I'm, I don't have the top of my mind the names, but I think uh, lately, I mean, if you just write on if a winery wants to. Mm-hmm. To a deacquisition, if they write on Google the acquisition service company in Spain or in Italy or in France, I think it's easy to 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 find it because you know everything is that kind of increasing and then search engine optimization is really getting really good. So I think uh, they can reach to many different um, service providers depending on their location, which is easier got for it, them. Got it, got it. You know, let's say you were hired by a winery and you you were given a scope of, hey, let's let's add this vertical, right? Let, let's add this in a business strategy. You know, what kind of a business model comes to your mind uh, on how you would uh, add this? You know, an example is O'Neill or Delicato, some big company which has a volume, which has the buyer like Walmarts, you know, uh, wants to just uh, set up a business case that, okay, we're starting this. So what I want to know is what kind of services you know, they can start offering. Now, what comes to my mind, one example, and you can continue yeah. from there, is literally I can offer uh, a custom labeling service of a private, you know, no, no alcoholic brand. I can, you know, source bulk wine from Argentina and give it to Walmart. It's the same process which you guys do. I'm doing it in my winery now, you know, mm-hmm. uh, but using your technology and process. So what other things, you know, what are the, I just want to know, like the business uh, models around this whole thing, which they can expand into. So, I mean, uh, sometimes obviously the wineries, that's, that is like wineries who are in the business, a conventional winery who produce alcoholic wines. It may be easier for them because they're already in the business. They know the mm-hmm. markets, they have their importers, distributors. So they want to do a line extension with non-alcoholic products. So mm-hmm. for them, it may be easier, but also they're brand marketeers. They have just the idea but they don't mm-hmm. have the product they don't have any distribution channels so for them i think it may be more difficult to kind of go in which direction so obviously mm-hmm. they have the idea they have their brand which is really important obviously today the brand the history the story the storytelling is super important i think that is i mean everything yes obviously you're doing it in an alcoholic wine but you need to have your story you need to have your very you know, great brand. And also today, it's not only enough just having non-alcoholic wine with everything changing, you know, mindfulness consumer, healthier consumer is like, you know, the consumer wants less carbohydrates. Less yeah, I think it's a, it's an image direction as well, right? You, you're getting credibility in the image in the direction with this, like, you know, carbon, eco, whatnot right like you know exactly uh, exactly sustainable brands sustainable mm-hmm. packaging and what is really important is low sugar uh, before five six years ago to balance the alcohol missing of the product what the wineries were doing they were adding sugar but it's not what the consumer wants anymore it's not even healthy you're trying to make a healthy product with no alcohol but then you're adding so much sugar so mm-hmm. we help our clients to do as dry as possible we don't rely on sugar and i mean also one of the things that we achieved in 2021 2022 
getting a non-alcoholic, very balanced product without almost no additional sugar. So, mm. you know, in one, one glass of wine, they can have five, six calories versus 120, 150 calories of a, a alcoholic wine. So I mm. think that is really important the product but once you have the product or storytelling then what is the next step to go you know uh which markets you will sell into what is going to be your distribution strategy so tell me that like what are the hottest you know i want to give more context to uk and us right so uh in uk which kind of suburbs or which cities or which kind of retailers are adding this more you know in us you know what kind of retailers like i i can imagine target doing this you know because they're just moving towards that Thing. Yeah, exactly. But give me some names of uh, retailer and re, uh, you know uh, states uh-huh. uh, adopting to more of this demand. Okay, so if you if you talk about UK and obviously you know the Waitrose, Tesco, um, mm-hmm. Morrison's, Aldi, Lidl. I mean they're all in the you know these big retailers who are giving importance. And Marks and Spencer they have their own sections. They have their own aisles for no and low, but then there's also premium category, Harvey Nichols. Uh, mm-hmm. There's also, they have their, uh, if you're in the premium category, it's also a great place to go. And then they have, they're also like, you know, small boutique, independent retailers, uh, organic uh, retailers. That is also a great place to look for. Well, what and about then, restaurants? Are they also adding the, in the menus? Yes, their stones are adding in the menu. And uh, for example, I was like in 2021, uh, November, um, when I was in the UK, I went to Disham in London. Do you know Disham? Disham is like an Disham, Indian the Indian restaurant, restaurant right? Yeah, yeah, I was so yeah, amazed nice one, yeah. with their non-alcoholic menu because before you would have in the drinks menu you would have a section non-alcoholic but they had a complete separate menu they they call it sober menu they have non-alcoholic wines and alcoholic beers and non-alcoholic cocktails and it was like six pages of menu so it was great i mean now there are restaurants giving more focus on that and there are some wine bars only non-alcoholic wines for example in dublin there's a bar called virgin mary it's only non-alcoholic. And in US, there's Boisson. Boisson is a distributor, non-alcoholic distributor only, and they have their shops and also, you know, the tasting places. When we talk about distributors, I think what is also really important for the brands or the wineries for this product, first, what I would recommend, they should go omni-channel distribution strategy, off-trade or on-trade, depending on the segmentation. But e-commerce is super important. It can mm-hmm. go on an e-commerce marketplace or it can go direct to consumer, their direct online channels mm-hmm. and the distributors. Distributors at the moment in the distribution, there's a gap, especially for wine, because mm-hmm. what is normally known since it's a non-alcoholic wine, going with a wine distributor. But wine mm-hmm. distributor is the person who gives or wine buyers gives mm-hmm obstacle to this product so some wineries or some brands they go with the beverage distributor yeah i would go with coca-cola you know yeah uh, whoever has the highest doors i mean because you can sell at every place one question comes quickly to my mind is why would southern or walmart or tesco not do this directly with you you know, because um, of the three tiers and all yeah, that. Yeah, as far as I know, I mean, some of uh, the retailers, for example, I think Tesco has their white label. So uh, some retailers, they do it directly with the producer to create their white label. Mm-hmm. And we also offer white label or uh, private label. Um, so this is, uh, they they already do big retail channels. channels. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do their white so label. That's a big, com- uh, that I see as a big, threat or competition now because walmart doesn't need o'neill 
to get this job done. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a good point. Yes, um, they can they can directly. I mean, I think this is also depending on what consumer wants and the the opportunities and the wide variety. So now, as the consumer is educated and have a demand, they want to see a variety of products. So at, at Walmart or Tesco can do white label, so they mm-hmm. can work with a supplier directly mm-hmm. or service provider instead mm-hmm. of getting the brand but there's going to be tesco brand or their brand but sometimes consumer this category is also driven by brand names so the consumer mm. wants to see the the brand that they they recognize for example from torres torres has sangre de toro it's an you know conventional wine but also sangre de toro has no and low alcohol wine and mm-hmm. the consumer knows the name of sangre de toro and then when they want to buy a non-alcoholic wine they know the brand and they go to that. So still, it doesn't really create uh, or uh, much competition for brands because brands need to be there mm-hmm. while Tesco or Walmarts can have their own white label. Hope you guys had a good time listening to this video. You know, if you are a winery, try and look into this. Or if it, even if you are a buyer, you know, looking to get into making a private label, BevZero can help you. Meet them at International Bulk Wine and Spirit Show in San Francisco and in London you know, and uh, see how they can help you make your non-alcoholic wines.